On today's episode of the Korea Pact podcast, we have another amazing guest joining us today. We talk all things about college entrepreneurship and this amazing community that he has built of creators, artists, musicians, entrepreneurs, and everything in between to facilitate the new age of entrepreneurship and creation and building. If you guys have been enjoying the recent episodes, make sure to follow us on all socials at the Korea Pact Podcast and share this with a friend. Thank you guys so much. And let's get into today's episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Korea Pact Podcast. My name is Neil Patel. I'm the host of this pod. And on this podcast, guys, we combine creativity and impact in hopes to give more than I can get. And for those of you who are new, Welcome. We're doing something pretty cool, a podcast every single day for 365 days straight. And by the time you guys are listening to this, I think it'll be like episode 60 or something. But today we have an incredible, inspiring guest joining us today. He's done things in uh, so many verticals, and I've gotten to know him a little bit over the past couple of months. And I think you guys are going to like what he's all about. He's written a book called dreamers in a drift state he's built businesses around video film production photography of course he's a creator Um, but what he's best known for is being the co-founder of a community of startup founders entrepreneurs creators and artists that he's built at the university of michigan and stanford that they're growing rapidly by the way across the nation Um, and it's something called entrepreneur power hour um, which is their nonprofit organization and with that being said guys i wanted to welcome on bobby housel Hey, What's up, Bobby? thanks so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, awesome, bro. So um, first off, thank you for taking the time. I know you're like freaking overseas right now, like in Australia. So I, what time is it there right now? It's like my magic trick. It's like, oh, it's from the future. It's uh, Saturday, <laughs> Saturday afternoon here. Oh, snap. What the? Dang, that's crazy. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, again, thank you for taking the time. And before I go into like any of your business and like story questions i, I kind of just want to like get straight to the shit i want to get right into it what's the problem with college entrepreneurship oh man where do i start uh there's a lot and i, I guess i'll start with the most glaring one which is that um the best entrepreneurs at college are not meeting each other i came to college with this preconceived idea that i wanted to be an entrepreneur i started my first business in high school and i was dead set on building more businesses. And so I thought the place to go is business school. Unfortunately, that's not the case in most, in most instances, business school produces more people that want to go work at consultancies and banks. And depending on how you feel about that, whether that's right, wrong, or different, um, they don't really support entrepreneurs in the same way that I was used to. My high school had a program specifically for entrepreneurs, which was pretty unique. And so the biggest issue with college entrepreneurship is just that you have, um, interesting founder types that are all across a campus. You've got kids that are at the school of engineering that are software engineers. You've got kids at the business school. You've got kids at the art school. They have people that are creating things, telling stories, doing really compelling ideation and creation, but no one is connecting them. And so they're in these silos and we could get into like whether or not we will, Yeah, we can get into whether or not the entrepreneurship communities that support them are, are bogus or not. Um, but whether or not you, you think that the entrepreneurship communities at colleges are, are amazing, you think that the entrepreneurship institutes and the centers for entrepreneurship, whether you think they're good or not, is up for you to decide. What's not for you to decide is the undeniable fact that the best entrepreneurs are spread out, they're separated, and no one is unifying them. 
not at not at individual schools and certainly not at schools across the country. So the top entrepreneurs at Michigan don't know the top entrepreneurs at Ohio State, don't know the top entrepreneurs at Harvard, Penn, et cetera. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, no, 100 percent. That's that's very well put. So that that's honestly why I wanted to get asked this question first, because like that's your mission, right? Like that's your mission is to like unify those entrepreneurs and find them all across the country and across the world. So but like. I think what you're building, it is a solution to it. But like, I think like in your head, like, how do you like think through the actual solution to that? Like, what's your decision making processes like around the actual quote unquote solution for that? Yeah, it was before it was ever a solution. I, I didn't even realize it was a solution. Uh, oddly enough, basically, this all started when I, I came back from a, a gap year from from school. I'd spent my first year at school basically hunting out all of the entrepreneurs that I could find. I went to all these different entrepreneurship resources that, that Michigan had and found all the coolest people there. And, and those became some of my closest friends. And then wound up coming back from a year off school during COVID and was just instantly brought back into this community that I love so much. But there's like so many amazing people. I was like, I can't catch up with all these people. So I started inviting like groups of them to catch up together. Like, all right, let me invite all the kids that are building software businesses that are some of my closest friends. Like we'll, we'll all jam and hang out thinking that, you know, kind of, if these were similar entrepreneur people that were building similar businesses, I imagine that they would have met each other and then we'll be able to all catch up together. And then I found that in truth, like these people didn't know each other. And so when we talk about like, what is the solution? I just started bringing people together because it was fun. And these were my friends and I was, I wanted to catch up with them. And then I realized that they didn't know each other. I was like, this is pretty bizarre. Like, why is this the case? And then I'd start delving deeper and deeper and realizing just like the shortcomings of, of college entrepreneurship programming um, at a university wide level. And so before I even realized I had a solution, I was just doing it because I enjoyed it. I like bringing people together. These are my closest friends. And then it really organically started to grow. Like people were like, I love meeting these people. I want, I want my friends to come. And so what, what was like five person meetups turned into 20, turned into 30, turned into now over 300 people coming together, like maybe 50, 70 on any given um, weekend or week coming together and enjoying each other's company, learning about what they're, what they're passionate about. And so, but like logistically speaking, I'm happy to dive more into this. Like what we learned was these traditional entrepreneurship outlets are kind of doing a couple of things really poorly. They're putting up a lot of barriers to entry. Um, they are making it hard to stay involved. So, you know, if you miss a weekly meeting, you're excommunicated forever. Or if you don't pay your dues on time, you know, uh, you can't be a part of it. Or let's say um, they're run by people that aren't actually entrepreneurs, which is tough, right? Like, why do I want to come to a thing if the person telling me to come is not has no background entrepreneurship? Not to say I'm an entrepreneurship wizard, I'm not, but I, I've like spent a lot of time in this space. I care about, it. I like, I love, I love it, and so I think people know that, and there's no doubt of it. Um, but I mean, the list goes on and on. But it's yeah. just to say, these traditional solutions are not run by the they're not run by the right people. They're not providing the value they should be. They certainly don't know how to build community, and they are super fragmented. <laughs> and we kind of inadvertently stumbled into this solution uh, without even realizing it. No, 100%, bro. I, and I, I can't emphasize how glad I am that you said that because um, I don't even know that you know this because I, I really don't talk about it much. But I went to because I'm based out of Chicago, right? So I went to um, I went to school for two years in college, right? And then after that, I decided to take like a gap year. And I was like, I want to do something around the like build some skills like because I've always loved talking to people. Hence, I'm doing this, right? So I got into sales and I've been, I found some success in that. And then on the side, I'm trying to build this, whatever it is, right. Whatever you want to call it. But I remember my sophomore year, I, I took an entrepreneurship class and 
dude, you you won't believe this. The first class, like the first class, of course, it was during COVID, so it was online. I the professor, like they gave a spiel and whatnot about what the class syllabus is going to be like, and I'm like, hey, um, I put a question in the chat. I was like, uh, professor, like, have you like what kind of businesses have you built in the past, or like what experience do you have, right? And he was like, like, oh, like I haven't really done anything like that, but like I've had a track record of like teaching it, and I'm like, I literally like clicked off. I was like dude like so yeah. you're trying to teach an entrepreneurship class but like you've barely built any like or actually like tried and had decades of experience in entrepreneurship so that was a little bit frustrating so um it's yeah it's frustrating and like one of the things that i think we do is like i said i i've started some small businesses i've tried a handful of different things um i don't claim to be someone who's exited a bunch of businesses raised a bunch of money because i'm not yeah um, and so that being the case, I don't try and teach entrepreneurship, right? And it's instead what I do is I bring together brilliant entrepreneurs. What I do have an experience in is I've hosted a lot of events. I love bringing together unique groups of people. I'm hyper well-connected in my university, not to toot my own horn, but I do love doing that. And that's, I think I'm decent at it. I have experience. So I'm not trying to teach entrepreneurship. That's not it at all. In fact, instead of teaching entrepreneurship, I dial in the people in our community that are really, really experienced. Um, and I let them teach it. So let's call up Jake, who's running a crazy successful e-commerce business doing insane viral social media marketing. And let's have Jake teach us how do we market online? How do we, well, no matter what your business is, how do you produce viral marketing online? And we'll let Jake teach the community because he's a part of it and people want to hear from him. And he has experience, he has scar tissue. And so there's nothing wrong with trying to teach entrepreneurship, but it's this weird like masquerading where- It's like a mindset thing. Yeah. It's like, who are you to tell me? And I, that's, that's my big thing is I'm never, I'll tell you, maybe, I guess I have a lot of experience with like hiring outsourcers and freelancers. Maybe that's what I can draw. Maybe I can run a, a session on that, for example, but I, I never don't try and teach something that you don't have a ton of experience on. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. I saw that tweet that you tweeted today about um, you were like, when, when you learn how to like delegate outsource or like hire VAs and EAs like life becomes so much I don't know if you remember that tweet but you like tweeted something about it today or last night depending on your time but it's funny because my next question that I was going to ask is like why entrepreneurship but like you yourself like do you would you call yourself an entrepreneur or do you just think like you're good at like connecting people right because like I don't like to be frank like I don't really like the word entrepreneur because like I think I think it's like a very I think it's very easy for everyone to call themselves that, but like everyone's definition of it and what they do is very different. Right. So like, I have all these questions around like entrepreneurship and mindset that I want, that I have for you, but it's like, what really is like an entrepreneur, right? Like, yeah. like it, it, it's so, it's so like subjective to every single person. So I want to talk, we'll talk about that funny entrepreneurship stuff a little bit later, but I want to talk more about like your story, like the root of it. Right. Cause you mentioned that you started stuff in high school. Right. So yeah. like, what was your story behind? Like what got, what got you that itch to be like, Hey, I want to do something of my own and I want to try this thing out. Like walk me through that mindset or framework shift that you had to like get that first step and take action when you were however old. Totally. Uh, I'm super grateful. I feel very, very, very indebted to my high school. Um, when I think about like the biggest, the biggest driving factors of who Bobby is, I think about 
my school. I went to the same school. I was lucky. I was very fortunate. I went to the same school from kindergarten to 12th grade. Um, and then I think about like my closest friends and I think about my parents and my environment, like hometown. And I think those are fundamentally like made me who I am. I'm a big, like, I guess nature versus nurture guy. I think we're, we're product of our environment and I think we're product of our experiences. And so when it comes to like finding entrepreneurship, again, nothing different. Uh, it was, it was a program in my high school. My, I was super randomly, I got, got put into like a sponsor group or a, my guidance counselor rather was a successful entrepreneur. He had been, uh, he'd exited a number of, of software and hardware businesses, I guess hardware. Um, and he was an older, older gentleman and he was kind of retired and he decided that he wanted to teach entrepreneurship. And again, talk about this is someone who does have the experience. So, and naturally he made something really special. The program was designed to teach students as early as like middle school, um, all the way up to through high school about what it means to be an entrepreneur, start businesses, start companies. And it was a four-year program. You kind of had to apply as a freshman um, if you wanted to do it. And I didn't even know, again, I'm not actually a big fan of the word entrepreneur either. Um, I just think it's got tainted, unfortunately, by people that use I, it. In the I, have a good, I have a good question about that later on. So we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get into it. It's a bummer because like, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the word. And I think to some degree, it's like, uh, words are words. It doesn't matter. It's like your actions tell me everything that I need to know about you. But um, anyways, yeah. So I went through this program for four years and I didn't know what entrepreneurship was coming in and, and I left uh, dead set. I mean, that's what I probably would not have gone to business school without it. I was thinking that I wanted to go to, um, you mentioned I wrote a book, like, I love to write. And so I was thinking I wanted to do English in college mm-hmm. uh, and I wound up in this entrepreneurship program and found that I loved building things and making things. But it was that program. And then through the, through the program, you had to kind of start a business and I was, uh, I fell in love, as you mentioned, I fell in love with photography and videography and filmmaking. And so I was like, I love creating this kind of stuff. Uh, why don't I try and create a, a business around this? And so kind of creationism kind of became a, a bigger thing than just creating art and writing. It became like creating businesses, creating workflows and proxies and systems. Um, and so this idea of like creating, maybe, maybe creating, uh, but then creator has completely lost its meaning. Yeah. <laughs> Too. So I don't even know. Uh, I think one word I like that doesn't get used anymore. I, this was another tweet I threw out a while ago was inventor. I'm curious if you like that word. Cause that's a word I like. That's a word that we don't use anymore though, anymore. Bro. What you know, you, someone call themselves an inventor. You, you know what I use, bro? I use, <laughs> this is, you know what I use? I use the word, my two favorite words, create and impact. Hence the name of this podcast, Creopact. Right. So I think like, I don't know if I call myself a creator. I don't know if I call myself an influencer. I hate all that shit, right? Like I literally, like anytime I I do these podcasts every day, right? And I tell people like, I just talk about the shit that I care about in hopes that I get to meet people that create shit, that built businesses and just get to know people's stories because I'm a firm believer that everyone in this world has a fucking story, right? And everyone needs to like have that shit heard. Like, so like, it doesn't matter like how vulnerable it gets or how emotional it may get depending on people's story, but like it has to be heard. Right. And I think like this podcast for me, it's that like sharing my story and sharing other people's stories. And I know it's part of what you you guys are all about too, is like having like entrepreneurs feel heard and supported and like all of that stuff. So I, I just think it's just super big for me to like create an impact. <laughs> and what you said about storytelling is, probably one of the closest things to what I call my identity as possible, which is everyone has a story. We can learn from everyone's story. Everyone's story is worth being heard. Um, 
And I think human beings are at our core, we're storytellers. 100%. As far as you want to, human beings have been sharing and telling and creating stories for all of time, all of eternity. And it's, it's, it's honestly a poetic, it's a poetic thing. Um, just talking to someone and, and hearing about their upbringing and their background and what they care about can fundamentally entwine yourself. Like think about how we fall in love with people. We fall in love because we fall in love with it's crazy and for, and what, and when we talk about love in, in the best sense possible is like what they stand for, what they care about, their experiences, their lived, what they, what they, what they think about the universe. Like that's, that's all part of their story. And I think we fall in love with as much with their story as we do the individual. I think, I mean, you could argue those things are one and the same, but. I think we live in a world where it's very easy for division to happen amongst people. Right. And another one of my goals is to have conversations with people whether they are good or bad, but at the end of the day to have like a mutual respect between one another. Right. And because like, I don't know if you know who Lex Friedman is, but like, I, I just watched my first Lex Friedman podcast. Literally. Dude. Oh yeah. my God, dude. But like he has this thing called like philosophy of love. Right. And everything that he does, it's based off of putting more love into the world, whether it's through your words, whether it's through the things that you create and that's all he's about. Right. And his philosophy is about, bringing people together through their differences and just like talking them out. Right. So like whatever your story is, here's my story. Here's what I think. Here's, but here's what I believe. But at the end of the day, we can still shake a hand. We can still go out and eat. And like, if like people can like, just understand that, like have a little bit of empathy, just like understand to not take things personally, all that shit. It's like, dude, you can meet people and opportunities will come your way. Like, no other like i never thought that i'd be like dude I, I didn't even like i just i saw your instagram like last year and i was like dude who the fuck is this kid right and like i was like oh i saw i saw him on mfm and um which which i actually have a question about later but i saw you on this podcast and i was like oh he gave his email fuck it I, I do cold calls for work so let me just shoot him an email and then the first thing you were like dude i love everything about this email and then here we are today recording a pod right so it's like just taking that step and just leading in with like love and empathy is just super important um so you talked about, you know, your stories and um, that everyone has a story, right? So, and a part of that story is vulnerability, failures, setbacks. What was your like biggest, I guess, like failure or setback in your business career or your life or whatever you want to call it that taught you the biggest lesson in who Bobby is today? It's a really, really good question. Um, also echoing your thoughts about approaching people and, and things with humility. I can't tell you how much I agree with that. Like, oh, we have a whole nother conversation about that, but you, and again, you're, you're hammering a lot of my like life philosophies. So well done. I, I love that. So, but yeah. I think humbly, like I've had a super fortunate life. Like I, I, I was born, my parents both come from very modest backgrounds. My dad grew up outside of Pittsburgh. My mom from like a, a rural town in Ohio that used to be a Titan of like uh, steel um, and, and like that in like the industrial era and, and now has kind of dried up and gone away. So very like kind of humble Midwest blue collar backgrounds and have both transcended into like hyper successful folks that have done great for themselves and have provided me so much love and support. Um, I went to a, a really top notch high school, which I love so much as I mentioned, um, I go to Michigan, out of state tuition. Geez, oh man, like I'm so lucky 
And so when I think like everything's relative and, and who knows what anything really means in this world, but I've had, I've had setbacks, I've had struggles to some extent, but like nothing crazy, nothing. I mean, maybe, maybe that's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that says about me, but I've been so, I just, I'm so fortunate. We're all so lucky. I, one of the things that I, that I need, that I want to do before I get much older is there's a couple parts of the world that I really want to go see. Um, because I think I need to have my mind blown. And I, I think I have a little bit of a framing. I've seen some of the world. It's not about seeing and going places as much as it is about learning people's stories, like we said. But I think I, I don't even fully understand. Uh, I don't have the framing to understand like how insanely lucky I am and like how kind of silly and meaningless my struggles are. Like, um, I know, but, 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 but it's like, like see, you, you think that, right? So like I, I have, look, I have I have very close friends that have gone through a lot of shit, right? But even though they've gone through a lot of shit, they tend to just be like, oh, it's nothing compared to someone else. And that I think part of hearing people's stories and like asking these questions is knowing that whatever someone goes through, like it's still important no matter how like crazy it is or like how like little it is, right? Yeah, so it, it's, it doesn't matter like whether like god forbid but if like if if someone like in your family passes right or like if one person has someone in their family who passes and the other person like gets rejected from their dream college or their dream job offer like that shouldn't stop them from like talking about it and talking about each other's struggles you know that's a very good point i think about i like the two the two the two things that come to mind are like one um i was I guess I had my, my whole thesis around like what I wanted to do with my life challenged a bit at the end of my first year of college. And then I kind of caught a break. Right. Cause I was, um, I came to college and like I mentioned, I was pretty, pretty dead hooked on this thing called entrepreneurship. Cause I had done it in high school and I was like, I want to work for myself. I want to build more companies. And at the end of my first year, I was working on a, a company um, in a vertical and in, in, in an industry that I just didn't really care about. And I didn't realize, like, I was just so interested in, like, building companies. I didn't realize it was really important that you build a business in a space that you actually care about. Because, um, like, there are a million and one pain points to be solved and for companies to fix. But if you don't actually care about what you're doing, like, you're never going to, you're never, it's never going to work, in my opinion. And so what I had to realize was I was building a company that I didn't care about. And we had a good product, we had good product market fit. And I was just like, I don't care. And so basically I spent, um, this is just before COVID started. Uh, I got sent home from college and I took a gap year. And basically over the course of the gap year and then really that first year back. So this was, this was 2020, 2021 going into 2022. And then um, really up until fall of 2022, I kind of, I took basically, I guess like a year and a half hiatus away from this like entrepreneurship stuff. I stopped. I was all, I was the kind of guy who's always, always working on a project, always working on something. And it's not that I wasn't, I was, I was just taking a step back and, and learning about what does Bobby like actually care about. So like I was writing more, I was creating more, I was doing things that weren't like inherently entrepreneurial about building business. I was just trying to figure out what really mattered to me. And then I came, I came back to the world of entrepreneurship after having like figured out what I cared about. And I was like, Oh great. Like this is not lost. It was just, I needed to be, I need to know what mattered to me. And so like that two years was, was a, was a tough time because I, I was, I was kind of moving away from what I, 
knew to be true about myself, which I, I love this, this world of entrepreneurship and building things for yourself and, and, and creating the change you want to see in the world. But I didn't know what it was that I needed to do. And so I felt like I, I was always, I had this nature of like, you know, the hustle, the sending the good cold emails, all this stuff, but I just didn't know what it needed to be focused on until I found my current project. Um, and then I was like, oh man, like everything clicked. It's like, ah, I found out what I like to do and I found out where its intersection is with entrepreneurship. So I think about, that was like a pretty long and intentional setback where I was, I was unsure if I would ever come back to this world of entrepreneurship. I didn't know um, where I was heading and it just took time to like go in and figure out what Bobby, what mattered to Bobby. And it was like, mm-hmm. at times it was scary, at times it was exciting. I think not knowing is, is part of the beauty of life. Like, when we have everything set out in front of us for years to come, it's like, it can get boring. hundred percent, man. I think that's a super powerful message. And it's, <laughs> you know, it's funny. You said that you took like a two year hiatus from the entrepreneurship thing. And so I stopped, like I left school for that gap year. Um, let's see, like beginning of 2021, right? Like, like I think like March or May, like that, that's, that's when I was like, okay, like I want to take a break from this. I need to figure out like my life or what I'm doing. And I always thought like this persona of, again, being an entrepreneur and living on your own terms and all that shit. Like I thought it was like super cool. So I tried all these like create, like I tried doing like Instagram theme pages and drop shipping and real estate. And I tried like all sorts of shit that just like didn't really mean anything to me. Right. And and finding like what I really cared about, like that didn't come until recently, bro. Like I'm literally like two and a half, like two months in of like doing this thing. Right. So it took me like almost what, two and a half years to like really figure out like, okay, what the fuck does Neil care about? Right. Like what 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 can he do that really just means something to him? And I think this is a really important lesson for everyone who's listening is that you know that you found something that you care about that like even when you don't want to do it you keep showing up right like getting up every day and like keep like bro like i'm i don't know what the fuck like got in my head about like wanting to do a podcast every day for 365 days straight like like dude who does that right but it's like it's 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 now something that's like yo i can do this like by the time like this goes i don't know it's like episode 59 or 60 days like I have never had evidence or proof of being consistent ever in my life before this, but there's days where I don't want to do it. But the fact that I keep showing up and sitting in front of this mic and just talking about shit that I care about, even if it doesn't matter sometimes, like even if it's like, dude, what is this kid talking about? I think that's what's important, right? And then in that process, figuring out who you are, figuring out like how to brand yourself and how to meet the right people and create opportunities and really like build something like from the ground up, like which takes years. Like, I think that's when you know that, hey, you're doing the right thing. So, so good. Yeah. Yeah. There's a quote that comes to mind. Um, I'll paraphrase, but basically it's like, it takes true courage to grow up and be who you truly are, Um, which is a bit meta at face value. Right. But the idea of just being that, like, it's hard. It takes resistance. It takes perseverance to become the person that you're destined to be or the person that you want to be it's the world is constantly throwing stuff at us to say like no reset go back like figure it out like this is not right this is wrong you're doing it this way and it takes damn courage to to try and surmount all of that it's it's so hard 
and I'm I I don't know if you I don't know if you like listen to Joe Rogan at all or not, but like he has like this theory that like in life you always want to do things that are like uncomfortable and like the discomfort is like where you really grow, right? And so like just doing something every day that's like a little bit out of your normal routine and something that just like shocks your body a little bit, just throws you off like that straight path, that linear path, right? I think that's that's what like this podcast is for me. It challenges me. It makes me want to be better, right? Like I could go take a cold shower or some, something that just like challenges the like the individual. I think that's super important. So I know we could go on about this for days, but I want to talk a little bit more about um, Entrepreneur Power Hour because um, by the way, for those listening, I got to be a part of it uh, yesterday for about like an hour and it was incredible. Like the fact that you guys are able to like pull these like incredible entrepreneurs and come on and talk about the things that your founders and your community needs to like help them grow. It was just super cool to like sit back and watch them work. So um, again, super grateful for that. But um, more about Entrepreneur Power Hour, like I, I guess you like already explained like the real like vision for it, but when did it become like, oh shit, like this thing like might actually work? And I know you have a co-founder, um, Barry, right? So when did you, when did you two like come together and we're like, hey, like we can really make this thing even if University of Michigan is like against it or whatever, like you guys can still sit down and make it work. Like when, when, when did that like first become a reality, like doing this biweekly killer stuff? Yeah, so... Uh... For frame of reference, when Neil says biweekly killers, that's just like a slogan I guess I've adopted. Killers being an affectionate word I use for people that are out chasing their dreams in a big way and, and are creating what they want to see in the world. And honestly, I don't know. It was, I think it hit me. So as I mentioned, I, I, the catalyst for all this was oddly enough, like the gap year in a roundabout way, right? Because if it wasn't for the gap year, it wasn't for COVID that prompt. I was thinking about doing a gap year anyway, but then COVID happened. I was like, okay. Now I've got an easy, like it probably would have been a little bit of a battle with my family said, I want to take a gap year, but then COVID happened and it's like an easy, come on, like, let's not do this. So, but man, decision trees, crazy how things track back, but uh, coming back from the gap year started doing these kind of meetups with all my entrepreneurship friends, which was, I'd laid the groundwork by meeting all these people my, my first year at college. And this was fall of 2021. We had started hosting these meetups and then, uh, it kind of started to expand from like five. It originally, it was like the 30 coolest entrepreneur people that I knew, I knew. And I put them in a group chat. And then like people started saying, hey, I want to bring my friend. And I was like, I guess we got to have a second group chat. <laughs> so because I don't know, I, I could talk about my whole thesis. on I'm not a fan of like Slack, Discord, email, email threads. I think when was the last time you used one of these platforms to make uh, a plan to hang out with someone that you love and care about? Let's hop like, on calls, bro. That's all I'm it's like, yo, let's let's shoot the shit for a couple minutes. Uh, let's like, when was the last time you pinged someone on Discord? It was like, let's go to the coffee shop. Like, no, like we make plans either on the phone, we catch up and we have meaningful things on the phone, or we hang out in person, right? Yeah. And so that was it was always an in person thing, and I, I strayed away from all those platforms. But anyways, um, after we made a, I had to have a second group chat to kind of hold all the people that I was inviting to these meetups. I was like, interesting, because the group chats and I message cap at like thirty three people. So you have to like make a new one every time you hit 33 people. And so I was kind of broadcasting the same message from the one first group chat to the second group chat. And then now we've got 10 of them, uh, which is getting to be a pain 11. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's getting to be a pain and we're working on other solutions for that. But 
the point is people make plans over iMessage, they text, they call, that's when they lead to meeting in person. And so when I, when I kind of realized that we had something interesting, I think maybe a little bit when I was like, oh, we need to have a second group chat. We have a third group chat. Like we got 60, 80 people. This is interesting. But I don't think it really hit me until people started coming to me and saying, dude, this is really special. Um, I started doing actually right now back home. I've got, I really hope my Airbnb account doesn't get like deleted because <laughs> I, booked, I booked a place for, sorry, John, if you're listening, John Airbnb host is listening to this podcast. Uh, there may be a few more people in the Airbnb than we had listed on the contract. Um, <laughs> a bunch of the entrepreneurs right now are doing a retreat. And it was like a bunch of these small signals, like kids coming up to me after the meetups and be like, dude, this is insane. Like, I love the people I'm meeting, seeing like my friends becoming intimate friends with kids they never knew and, and developing those relationships. And then like, I don't know, I hosted a retreat and I had a couple of kids tell me like these really lofty things like, dude, three days in this cabin with these kids has changed my life. Like it's changed mm -hmm. how I think about this. And then these like tiny things started building and building. And then people were like, dude, you gotta, you gotta keep doing this. And then, you know, I think when I, when I, like probably a year, a year after I started doing this. And that, that would have been the fall of, um, of 2022. This was, uh, this is not my second year back from the gap year. And that's when I think it started to hit me. And I started to take it more seriously. So it was always fun. And it never actually took that much work because what took work was meeting all the people to begin with. And then kind of organically, I never had to do anything. We didn't have a website for the longest time. People were just, if you know, you know, the right people were showing up. And so I think, but around the fall, about the one year mark, we're about a little bit over a year and a half now was when it hit me. I was like, oh shoot, like, this is something I need to really like dedicate some time to and make sure that these meetups are, are only getting better because people were just continuing to encourage me and tell me like how special it was. And I really took that to heart. Awesome. Did, did you, by the way, uh, did you already graduate from UMish or are you still in your last semester? Oh, so I started in 2019. So I should be due to graduate in a couple months in 2020. Gotcha. But because I took the gap year, I took a full year lapse. Mm -hmm. So I'm only at junior status right now. I'm gotcha. set to in um, May of 2024. That's awesome. S super random. Are you, are you planning to go into this full time after you're done graduating? Are you planning on working? Dude, that's, the that's the hope. <laughs> um, if, that's awesome. If we, had, we had a lot to figure out, right? Because yeah. this is transformed from something that I love to do in a community that that was just something that I, that I love. And I still love it. I love it so much. But over the last four months uh sort of like mid-december was when the light switch finally came out i was like whoa there's a business opportunity here and it doesn't mean charging students because that's not we're never gonna don't don't get the idea that's ever gonna happen because it's not um but i was like there are things that we can do to create an entire environment ecosystem that i like doing this so much i might be able to do this after graduating we'll see and so i basically have a year and a half looking at the clock right now to see if this is viable and the signs are saying yes, but we got to figure out how to make sure we have enough money to make it. That's better. amazing. That's amazing. Um, another thing that just came into my mind, I don't know, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this, but I know you guys have a bunch of um, incredible companies that are in, in this community. Are, are you comfortable saying like, what are some of like the biggest valued companies in the community or the one that has potentially like had the biggest exit or something like that? Just to, just so people yeah. can understand how, how like so, legit this is. Yeah. I think that's totally valid. Right. Cause, um, and, and we kind of highlight some of these things in our, in our slide decks, pitch decks and whatnot. I'm careful about how I tout it just because I, I never want to be that guy, but yeah, yeah. a lot of these entrepreneurship organizations, communities, like whatnot across the country. Uh, when I, I've talked with hundreds of students from 
so many different colleges, small colleges never heard of to Stanford to Berkeley. And they're all suffering from this similar problem in that their entrepreneurship ecosystems are fragmented and whatnot. And a lot of the entrepreneurship resources are just straight up bad. They're run by bozos, uh, entrepreneurs, so to speak. And so I think it's totally a valid question. I'm happy to kind of tell some of the success stories. Uh, I'll probably like leave the name off, but if you want to. Yeah, no, don't, you, you, you don't, you don't have to tell the name. Just, just tell, give it, give it like a super simple one. I'm very proud. Um, and a lot of our, what, what I'm most proud of is a lot of these entrepreneurs are so, so humble. Like I'm thinking about two guys that one guy, his business is listed right now for sale. Um, I was just on the website last night. He has it put up at six, six million dollars is the sale price he's asking for. It's an e-commerce D2C business um, in the food goods space. And they're asking for like a 2.8 X multiple on, on revenue or income rather. Um, and so that's like pretty insane. I think he's getting a lot of signals that says that that will sell soon. I mean, that they've done millions of dollars worth of revenue um, and profit. Wow. And I think about our nonprofit who was featured on the, on the, um, on the podcast and my first million podcast you mentioned earlier, that's not a business that it's a not for profit, right? That's not a business that's doing crazy multiples. But when you think about some of the, some of the statistics, like they were just on CNN the other week, right? Um, they've housed over a hundred thousand Ukrainian refugees during the war. Like they've basically facilitated a way for these refugees to find temporary homes to live at. Um, they created the COVID tracker. If you remember back at the beginning of COVID when, when Dr. Fauci, this young, young high school guy is, is he's currently a college kind of college dropout on their team. Um, with, a, with my friend from Michigan, who's the other kind of one of the leading guys there, but he started this COVID tracker, which was used by hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, it was blowing up at the beginning because it, it would show you in real time, like all the cases and, and the progression of the pandemic. Um, I mean, I think that's a crazy story. Even if there's no multiple there, I think about, we've got a couple, couple guys that one guy who's another, again, one of the most humble people, he would be outraged if I bragged about him. So I'll, I'll leave his, his name com- company off, but they did some really unique like SaaS um, enterprise solution for, for hotels and, and events. And he got a TechCrunch article written about him and had a big exit, which is pretty crazy. Um, got a bunch of guys that have been in Forbes. You got one guy's Forbes 30 under 30. He, he just sold his, his media company um, to a, a big business news outlet that I'm sure you, you've probably heard of um, at a pretty good evaluation as well. So there's a bunch awesome. of really impressive success stories. And I mean, this has only been, you talk about like venture funds, they see returns in like six, eight years. Um, and like, we're seeing insane success from our founders before they graduate college. And, and I mean, they've only been a part of, not just that they've been working on their businesses before coming into the community, but, um, it's been pretty crazy. I mean, we get new businesses that get into really exciting accelerators and incubators every day. We've got another company that just got into uh, Techstars, which is super exciting. They're on the retreat back home right now. So it's the real deal. Um, and no the, story, the stories don't lie. No kidding, man. Um, and I know that that second reference that you had, I know exactly what, who you're talking about and what that company is. And I really want to meet that kid. Super, like, even when they were featured on MFM, super humble, down-to-earth person. And it's just like, yeah, we're doing this much and this much. And Sean and Sam were like, what the? <laughs> um, galvanizing. Yeah. Yeah, but okay, that's perfect that, that you actually mentioned MFM because um, that, that was actually my next question that I wanted to get into was, how the hell did you guys get onto uh, my first million? Like, I need to hear that story because 
um, for those for the, for the, for those of you who who don't know, when we say MFM, we're talking about this um, one of like the top ten business podcasts around the country, the world right now. It's called My First Million. Um, it's hosted by these two guys named Sean Puri and Sam Parr, um, very well known entrepreneurs, and they bring on like super well known founders and entrepreneurs that have had billions like yeah. businesses that are in like the hundreds of millions and billions. So like, dude. How the hell did you guys get on there? Because I watched that thing probably like two or three times over, believe it or not, just to like get an understanding of like how amazing like everything that you built was. Dude, appreciate it. Um, in life, uh, as things often happen, uh, kind of the, the, the seeds of your labor are, are like sown or, or grow into special things. And it was truly it's I've had I've pulled off some crazy adventure stories. Like I like to tell my adventure stories on my Instagram. I make like short little videos that talk about like. Kind of like you said, you, I had so much respect from you off the back. So you wrote a really good cold email. And like, I've had some crazy experiences that just started from an outreach. Like, Hey, I think what you're doing is really cool. And then it pitters into this crazy adventure. Right. So I like to tell those stories on, on my social media. That's kind of how I use social media is to broadcast the things I'm most proud of pulling off and the shenanigans and whatnot. But this one actually was rather straightforward. Um, we, got a, a really good friend of mine in the media space. He had just recently graduated. He had been working um, and he, he was scaling up his business. He's the one actually I referenced earlier who who just sold his business. And so he had been scaling up his, his media company, his podcast, all his media distributions. And in, in the works of doing that, he'd been asked to help other people run their content. And so one of the people, one of the big players that's getting really into the content space that that people might not know is, is HubSpot. So if you're not familiar with HubSpot, they're the primary competitor to Salesforce. If you're not familiar with Salesforce, they're a CRM product. So they help businesses organize, manage all of their data. Think like Google Drive on steroids for businesses. Uh, Neil is a sales guy. I'm sure you're all too familiar with, with these things. But Salesforce all day. Yeah. And so Neil's team, team Salesforce. But HubSpot is the big competitor. And they've been investing pretty heavily into the media arm doing a lot of media uh, partnerships they actually own or are very tied with the my first million show and so anyways my my buddy was helping some of their podcasts that they were owned or heavily kind of backing um he was helping them run their stuff uh, almost as like a part-time producer and so he became really close with one of the main producers for my first million um, as he was helping them do some of their short form content and he had heard like through him through the producer and through sam and sean that he became really good buddies with that they were looking to do kind of a um, college founder pitch night. And they had done like pitch nights in the past with just like random adults. And it was kind of like low energy. I watched a few of them. It was kind of low energy. It was, and it was all virtual too. It was, it was pretty, not, okay. I don't, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but, but like, you know, a couple of them were like pretty bad. Not going to lie. Like, I, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think you guys killed it like with all of them, but yeah, hey. let's carry on. <laughs> um, we got, I can't kind of reveal my card, but we got something else kind of in the works to, to collaborate again with those guys, which I'm, I'm, I'm really fired up about, but um, yeah. So got connected and they're like, Hey, uh, my friend basically had heard that they were trying to do this college pitch night. And he said, there's one guy that you got to meet. And I was flattered that he was bragging about me. And so I met the producer and told him what we were up to. He's like, you think you could put together a contest? I was like, I could pick, we could put 50 pitches. <laughs> up. You know what I mean? um, it was hard to pick. We had like, I think 20 or so people submit. Uh, and it was hard to pick who we wanted to pitch because the, the I mean, I sincerely tell you, like, I could have put on another, we could, I could put on a 30 
company pitch contest and you would be pretty dang impressed. I mean, you might not believe in all of them, but you would be at least impressed by their stories and what they're working on. Yeah. And so that's kind of how it happened. And, and yeah, I, I don't even think I realized what a big deal it was until after the fact, because like, we're, we're not like one of the top most viewed on their channel. I think I looked at like top, top 40, I think most viewed. Um, and like two episodes after we got published was like Billy McFarland, the f- infamous fire festival guy who went to jail. I was like, how am I on a podcast? They're like two weeks, like a couple weeks later, this guy is appearing. I was like, this is insane. Um, yeah. There's just some, some wild people that wind up and I like so, such a flattering and humbling experience to, to go on it. And then afterwards having so many cool people like you reach out to me, I was always on the other side of the cold outreach. I've never had people reaching out to me like one off random things here or there, but it, it was really special to have that experience. Too. Yeah, dude, I've, I've always, you know, what's really weird. Like there's, there's just like random shit sometimes that you like manifest. Right. So like, I don't know how the hell it happens, but like, I'm like, watch, I'm a cold email. This guy, he's going to respond. Right. Like, dude, I've done that with like, like probably like five or 10, like really well-known, like business people, like podcasters, YouTubers. And it's, it's just like so weird. Like sometimes like I'd hop on, like if I, if I like this, like really cool business YouTuber, like I'd hop on his live stream and I'd say something interesting. I'm like, watch, he's going to, he's going to talk about it. And then he talks about it. I'm like, like, dude, what are the odds? Right. But like, yeah, I just, I just thought whatever, whatever you guys were doing and building was super fascinating. So that's why I reached out and, you know, granted it worked out to whatever it is that we're doing now. And, but yeah, man, I, I don't, I don't think like, that MFM podcast, man, it's brought so much value to young builders. It's ridiculous. Like the amount of the amount of people that like listen to it that's just young people is incredible. But um a little bit earlier we mentioned about how we don't like the word entrepreneur, right? So I have a question. and th- this one may be, I don't know, I don't know what your take on it is gonna be, maybe a little bit controversial, but do you think entrepreneurship in like recent years, like probably like the last five years specifically has been like over glorified because there's it's like so much work and like people under don't understand like what it really requires like even i don't right like i think this is hard work is like dude i don't really know shit yet you know and you might be in that same phase who knows you ask you ask really good questions by the way i'm, I'm super impressed this has been a ton of fun um but yeah i, I, my, I maybe i have a hot take maybe i don't have a hot take but my thing is I just, my girlfriend and I go back and forth a bit. I think she is, she's super anti-social media in a lot of ways. Um, whereas I think it's a, it's a tool to be leveraged. I don't, I don't necessarily love it. I think it, it has value. And I think social media is probably the first thing that comes to my mind when, I, when you think about over glorifying entrepreneurship. Um, the, the case study I'll draw from is just, I've got a, a handful of friends that are really uh special people like they are they're completely outside of michigan they're actually randomly kind of scattered throughout the the country and i met them very inadvertently long story short i was going to a music festival needed a place to stay buddy from the entrepreneurship community says i got you like i'll introduce you to my buddy down there um got to know this buddy and then he was like hey um, i'm actually kind of far away from where you want to be for the for the festival go stay with my other buddy and long story short um the friend he connected me to and the other the original kid were part of this entrepreneurship online community and i don't want to like kind of hate on it too much but these individuals so i I got to know these two guys and then i wound up meeting like it's i'm like an unofficial member of this community because i met all the other buddies that they have a part of this community 
And they're all like these kind of entrepreneur types. Like they would fit in just perfectly with my community at Michigan if they were students at Michigan or Stanford. Uh, they're really great, great guys and gals. And um, I've become kind of good buddies. One of them actually crashed with me in Australia for a while when he was looking for a place to stay. He had just moved here as well. And uh, but the point of all this is just to say, like the community that they're a part of, I think is is kind of one of these over glorified type entrepreneurship where if you look at the content of the guy that founded the community and you look at the stories to tell, the guy's not stupid. He's, he's a smart, he's a, he's a bright guy, but he's selling the wrong dream, in my opinion. He's, he's talking about entrepreneurship as a way to drive fancy cars, hang out next to blue ass water, have a ton of money, right? And it's, it's really off-putting to me because I see a lot of that. And I think when we talk about like, what is entrepreneurship warped into? That's, that's why I get iffy with that word is because that's what a lot of people associate with. They, they think like these, um, there's a lot of like kind of seedy, interesting internet businesses too, that their ethics are debatable. Like you can debate the ethics of dropshipping and arbitrage. I, I, I don't actually have an issue with it. I think all businesses arbitrage to some extent, but there's just a lot of people that are providing nonsense value that are ripping people off. Like my friends, for example, who again, good guys, like good guys that sh should be a part of a meaningful entrepreneurship community are kind of, in, I think, getting taken advantage of. I mean, the guy's charging them a bunch of money a month to be a part of this community to meet each other because he knows that they have nowhere else to go. He's solving the same problem that I'm solving. And he, but I don't, like, I'm never going to charge my founders. I think that's ridiculous. But he knows that he can get them to pay because they're desperate to meet people like them. It's understandable. And so this whole entrepreneurship is a way to make a ton of money. That's actually why like parts of venture capital really turned me off too, is depending on what kind of, you see some venture investors that have maybe had a, a long standing career in finance or, or banging. And this is, this is a broad statement. There's plenty of amazing venture folks who have, who have come from a non-founder background who are really interested in changing the world and driving value. But then I, sometimes I meet people where it's so clearly about just making investments to make money. And like, not to say you shouldn't seek a return on your venture investments. You should, if you should, if you're not doing that, you might be, you might have some issues, but it's like, I think venture investing and angel investing is a, is a mechanism to change the world in a way that you want. Right. If, if it's just about making money, then I don't know. There's a lot safer ways to invest your money. Right. Um, I think it's about excitement and like, courage and, and 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 passion for something just like the founder is is passionate and so between like parts of about parts of the investment space and then also like this online showiness is i think what's kind of turned me off in the last couple of years and i think it's become more and more prolific with the evolutions of the interwebs oh yeah i can't cannot agree with you more because um you know it's funny i was i was the podcast I recorded yesterday was about this idea about like, how do we find our unfair advantage? And it was from this um, uh, YouTuber. Like I got this idea and concept in that question. And in the video, they explain how every single person in this world, like when they're trying to build something or whatever they're doing, they have an unfair advantage. Right. And just like how you talked about how people want, like they build businesses like just for money, for example. Right. There's times where people have access to like these VCs and they get tens of millions and hundreds of dollars of like funding just to go use that money, run like a run Instagram and Facebook ads just so they can like make more money. Like there's no creativity to it. There's no yeah. it's there. It's that that's what it is. And then like, yeah, I, I, I just don't understand it. So 
one thing one thing that I wanted to get into was like I talked we were talking about this over text yesterday about how there's a lot of you know creators um entrepreneurs and like artists that like haven't really been like picked up off of that sea because there's like so many people that are like in these like fragmented like colleges that have um like whether you're in like the med field or the engineering field or computer science like there's entrepreneurs within that right so like how does someone know that like and maybe you can give me a good perspective on this how does someone know that they have what it takes to like be like a builder or creator or like potentially like do something in entrepreneurial when they have that like feeling of like self-doubt or fear it's like how how like what's that one thing where it's like hey maybe i can do something on my own but like they just haven't realized it because those are the types of people that have to be like digged out and be like hey come join these other four or five hundred people here that actually hear you and know what you're going through and talk to them yeah 100 percent. and i no matter what you think about the word entrepreneur I, both in the context of our community and in general, I define it very, very, very broadly. And so to me, the, the guy back home, a good friend of mine who, who does really good stand-up comedy and writes his own stand-up comedy sets, my friend who's going to work on Broadway, um, my, my, my buddy who makes really great music, my friend who's building the enterprise SaaS company, my friend who's doing the concrete laying um, services-based business, my buddy who's the e-commerce goat, like, all of these people are entrepreneurs because what is the unifying trait is that they are stopping at nothing to create what they want to see in the world. And so if you're asking yourself, do I have what it takes to be an entrepreneur? Um, I think, I think about it like two main things. Like one is, are you insanely excited about something to the point that it like you love it? Clearly it matters to you. And it's not saying that you would spend a hundred hours a week on it. So I don't think there's that. I think there's very few things that anyone should spend that amount of time on. Uh, I think, you should be a human and you should like go talk with people and go outside and, and, and work out and, and like travel play. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think you should do anything for, for more than like 60, 70 hours a week. Maybe that's a hot take, but like in the long run, I didn't, I don't think it's necessary and I don't think it's humane. And so it's not about being that obsessed with it, but something that you clearly care about and something that drives you, do you have something? And then are you pursuing that thing despite no one like enforcing you to do so? Mm. And that can be a bit uh, that can be a bit misleading. Like I think you can force yourself to do it. So for instance, let's say I really care about becoming a doctor. I love, like, I want to change the way that medicine is practiced in some way. Um, not because it's safer, not because it might make a lot of money. I literally want to change how doctors do this one thing, right? You think about a lot of like med tech entrepreneurs, for example. Um, maybe what you're doing is like, I'm going to put myself I'm going to join, I'm going to apply to med school. I'm going to back myself into a corner and then I'm going to like fight my way. I think you can put yourself on the line for stuff, but if in general, like you are driving the boat, you're like, I want this thing for myself. I want this thing to exist in the world. I want to chase this. Uh, I think there's a lot of people who are entrepreneurial in nature who could very easily leave whatever company they're working at and do it on their own. Um, but maybe they've got a great opportunity. Like, there's nothing wrong with working for someone else. Not, not at all. No, uh, no. If I stumbled into my like if there was a different bobby and i kind of came to one of these meetups who's to say that i wouldn't be helping that person like do this very possible that's kind of how barry and i got connected he was someone who kind of came through the community and then got more and more involved and then we kind of launched the the fun part of things on the back end but 
it's uh, I think it's I think it's about like, are you chasing what you care about relentlessly? Um, and maybe that is within a company. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's just like, are you the kind of person who is going to create the change that you want to see in the world? Despite what anyone else says, despite no one going to no one's going to be enforcing it on you. Like, what are you doing with those four five, six extra hours of day of every day? Are you sitting around like kind of meandering or doing nothing? Or are you chasing the things that you care about? I love what you said about uh, the nine to five thing. Because I think in in that that like question I asked a little bit ago about how entrepreneurship is over glorified, there's so many people that are like, oh, quit your nine to five, go do this, and like, and it's just like, dude, like a nine to five is so freaking valuable that like, like you get to learn. Like for example, if you get into like a leadership position, right, which is like what I'm in right now, like understanding like patience or like how to like adapt to different personalities and different people and like learning how to talk to them like learning like these small little intricacies of the corporate world i genuinely think it's very valuable if someone does want to like leave and start their own business because like you can't just like leave and start your business like you're gonna you're gonna fall on your face like for the first five ten years almost guaranteed like a very high percentage of the time so i think that is very important that like the nine to five is something that's important. It's a good way to start your career, right? Like granted, that's what I'm doing right now. Like I'm doing that and I'm doing this podcast and whatever the hell it is that I care about. Do you think, do you think everything that you just explained, like that relentless, that relentlessness and doing the things that you want to do, regardless of what anyone says and whatever other people think, do you think that stuff comes like innately that someone is born with, or do you think it can be developed? No, I don't think any, I think there are very few, like I mentioned earlier, um, like nature versus nurture, which is just like a classic way of expressing the concept that I believe that human beings are more fundamentally made by our experiences than we are, uh, our like genetics. And so like our genetics dictate, it's like what decade, what is a good, good analogy. Uh, your genetics are like the, the, the hand of cards that you get dealt, uh, when you're playing a game of poker or whatever card game you might be playing. Our experiences are how we play the hand. Are we bluffing? Are how do we three bet someone? Did we raise after the flop? Like these are silly like poker terms, right? But like it's like how do you play the hand? Uh, if you play cards, you know that there's a lot of skill in in how you act uh, during the course of a game to kind of signal to your opponents what you might be doing and to get them to back out and whatever. And so for me, it's like, I, I think anyone can become hyper excited about anything. They can become a, a founder, an entrepreneur, work for themselves or chase what they care about within the constraints of another company. There's nothing wrong with that either. Um, no, I, I think very few things in life are innately, um, I mean, like born we, with, yeah, we get our inherent, you get your defaults, you get what you get, you get what you look like, you get your, you know, your abilities. If you're able-bodied, disabled-bodied, doesn't, you get those things, but what you choose to do with them, how you choose to leverage mm-hmm. them, I think it's up to you. It's very interesting. You say that because like, there's a lot of stories where, you know, parents are like, you know, successful like founders or people like parents that have like built incredible companies or things like that. And then like the kid just after they graduate college or whatever, they just like flow into the business and like take that over and they just like immediately become like a CEO. Right. So I I just thought it was a little bit of an interesting question. Like what if, what if it was like, like it's a part of your life and it's really innate, but I think, I think your answer is very fair. So um, my, on that would just be like look at all the people that 
look at all the kids out there that I'm, I, I think about my high school. I thought you said big fan of my high school, but there were also a hand, handful of kids like you talked about, like their parents have become successful entrepreneurs, business owners. And then like a lot of them like squander it. You know, they wind up being complete bozos. They, 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 they squander the opportunity. They've got something insane like lined up for them. They can come be the, expand this amazing company or whatever. And then they do like nothing. I think you see that a lot with like ultra famous people who have kids that are trying to like live up to their image, which is a damn hard task. Uh, it would be hard to be the child of someone who's ultra successful. But I think, yeah, I think that maybe that's, maybe that's again to the fact that you might be predisposed to being a CEO because mom and dad run a crazy company, but very easily could just mess it up. Mm. Very powerful stuff, man. Awesome. All right. Back to, back to entrepreneur power. How are we growing this thing? What's the roadmap look like for the future, man? The next six, 12 months. I don't know. Just walk, walk me through your th- thinking processes as you're sitting in that room right now. What's the roadmap? Um, I think it's trying to become the, I just changed my LinkedIn bio. So maybe this is something <laughs> to the, I said the guy for college founders. I want to become the guy and I want my organization to become the organization for college founders. And I think it's going to be, it's about completely dominating Michigan and Stanford to begin with. And then from there we can expand. I think we really need to, if we, if we spawn in, so to speak, into the next perfect community, I'm not going to say no, but I think being super intentional on focusing in doubling down here. And then if we meet the right person to help us expand to another community, that's kind of how Stanford happened. It wasn't strategic as you might think like, Stanford, uh, entrepreneur, Palo Alto, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, right? Like, and it actually was not the case. It was just that we met the right person there. And he's been amazing at helping us grow that community. And so if that happens again, I'm not going to say no, but I think the expansion is going to be like, let's really d- dial ourselves in. Let's make sure we are providing the most value possible. We're not trying to replace these other entrepreneurship institutes. That's not our goal. Our goal is rather to help connect these amazing entrepreneurs with each other, provide the most amazing social experience for them, empower them to teach each other, give them access to the resources, keep putting them on great podcasts, build out an entire kind of ecosystem for these kids um, and saying, hey, you go to the blockchain finance club or the this or that institute, you go and use them for what they are. We're kind of going to be the go-between. Um, we're not trying to replace these things in, in, in almost all cases. And so continuing to dial that in Michigan and Stanford. And then the big thing that you have kind of on my bio here is Founders Cupid, which is a separate but also important part of this picture, which is, like I mentioned, I'm never gonna charge these students to be part of this community, take my word for it, quote it right on paper. I don't think that's appropriate. Um, and so rather like what we're going to do is we're building this uh, kind of fund like vehicle. The As we've seen that students at schools do not know each other, like the best entrepreneurs do not know each other, as do the best entrepreneurs in Michigan don't know the best entrepreneurs that you know, Ohio State, et cetera. Um, We've also found that there's very few interested investors, like angel investors specifically, or like these individual investors uh, is all I mean by angel investors. They don't, are not getting plugged into these great college startups. College startups are are under-marketed, under-publicized, hard to come by. And then you find out about them when they get their like crazy Sequoia funding or like they land in TechCrunch. But there's a lot of opportunity to support them like far earlier than that. And there's a lot of, student startups that are not getting the financial support that they probably deserve. Um, and so that's, we're trying to build this bridge where we pipe in all these great angel investors. We're starting very specifically with like alumni. We know that like alumni from Michigan and Stanford that are, that are entrepreneurs and founder types. We know that they know mm-hmm. what come out of Michigan because they went through Michigan themselves or Stanford. Right. 
And so we're saying, hey, like we're trying to build this bridge where you can get a direct access to these folks. You can mentor them. You can support them. You can invest in them. Because just as we build this bridge between entrepreneurs at a campus, we want to make sure that those amazing investors also have a bridge into being able to support them. Let me let me ask you a question. And I think this one, I don't know. This is like whenever I hear your guys like business model and everything that you're doing, this, this is what I try to like. I talked about this earlier. Like, how do you like find those people though? Right. Like, like, is it like, like, I, I, I don't, I don't know if you've like seen, like, I don't know how active you are on social media, but like, have you ever seen like the people that just like go out, like they build brands around this. They just like go out into like big cities and just like start interviewing people and like, just ask yeah. them like random questions. Those people on Twitter that can be like, Hey, I'm going to be in New York tomorrow. Like who's around. And then magically, has like a spot like 20 people that want to like hang out with them they're all doing really cool stuff yeah it's pretty crazy yeah so like those types of people right like they they find so many people that like have really interesting stories right so like i don't, I don't know if this is something that you know you you guys can even like make into reality but like i, I want to dive a little bit more into this idea because i think we talked about it very briefly on the phone like back in december i don't know if you remember that conversation yeah. but um but yeah I, I think i think i think there's a very smart way to like market to the right people using like social platforms so we're um, trying to yeah figure it out i wish i had it figured out um i was just on the phone with like a, kind of a distribution sales marketing wizard talking about how to best do this because we know how to build community at college campuses um we're college students we know what college founders want what they need but this is a new a new world that we're entering into which is trying to pipe in um angel investors and people that invest in startups and sometimes they're past founders. Sometimes they're past, not past founders. Um, it's going it's going to be a ton of outreach. It's going to be a ton of networking. It's going to be getting better at telling our story. Uh, like one of the things we want to do Very is important. we did the, my first million thing and that showed so much life for us. We met so many interested investors and people that wanted to come support and partner. We're going to keep doing stuff like that. I'm, I'm in, a, in conversations right now with a couple other shows like my first million that we're excited to kind of work with. Um, but we also want to build out our own media arm. So what we realized is that in part, the reason why people like you and, and so many others were, were captivated by, tell me if I'm wrong here, were captivated by the My First Million episode was that historically these early stage young startups are not getting their stories tell, told in the fashion that they were, right? You read about them when the world knows about them, when they land on TechCrunch and they've got this two, two mil, crazy evaluation, right? And we are, we're seeing an opportunity to tell our stories way earlier than that. So we're trying to work on a media arm that basically tells the stories of these founders in the weeds, grinding, hustling every day, and helps them meet the people that they need to meet, as well as helps us meet the people that we need to meet to best support them. So I think it's going to be a, a, a dual edged sort of like a ton of outreach, a ton of um, identity building, story building, relationship building, a lot of probably a lot of referrals, I would think. And then on the back end, like doing a better job of, of doing the media things, telling the stories, growing that. But I think we have a pretty, pretty good value prop, which is like, it's really hard. Like people know that interesting startups come out of college and it's really hard to find them. And it's really hard to get in touch with them and, and, and build a meaningful relationship where you can potentially invest or do whatever it is you want to invest, mentor, whatever. It's historically been really hard. And so it's not like we have a ton of competition either, which mm. is nice. That's awesome, bro. Dude, incredible stuff. Like, um, you, you just named off a lot of stuff that you're doing there, like in terms of outreach. So like, 
if if you were to like walk me through like a day in the life of Bobby right now, if I gave you like a bucket of like a hundred percent, like what percentages would you like allocate to certain stuff? Like, was it would it be like, like are you doing like X percentage and like outreach? Are you doing X percentage like talking with community members? Like X percentage like reaching out to like VCs and syndicate fund stuff? Like, like how how would you break that down, bro? Because you're doing so much while being in Australia, doing all the stuff that you're doing. Like, it's crazy. I wouldn't even know, dude. Um, every day is is different. Um, every day is different things and different constraints and different people. It's so random, honestly, like I'm trying to put together a founder house right now. We're taking, the hope is to take about 10 or so of our top founders from Michigan and take them out to San Francisco and move into a, like a founder house for the summer months to really go super deep on, on what everyone is building. But I spent a couple hours yesterday going back and forth with, a a virtual assistant that I hired who's doing an amazing job like scraping through all of the real estate because it's really hard to find a short-term re- rental property. Landlords in San Francisco, if you're listening, please hit me up because <laughs> it is so hard to find uh, short-term rentals in that market. And so like, I don't know, I spent a bunch of time yesterday like cruising through these listings and I like later today I got to call a bunch of people or tomorrow call these landlords. And so it's just so random. Every day is different. It's tough for me to say, but um, it's, I guess that's the exciting part is literally every day calls them something different every two weeks different goals emerge like my my co-founder and i set different goals every two weeks that we kind of dial in on for two weeks and then come back and reset so it's crazy different every every day bro well i'll tell you right now based off the conversation that we've been having you're built for it so keep keep doing what you're doing and i i want to end off the pod in a a little bit more of uh because i know we're a little bit over on time but like um in a little bit more of a fun way and I don't know if you've you know listened to any of my episodes before, but everything I'm about, it's all about like you know deep shit and questions, having conversations like this, and creating and stuff about business. So I always like to end off the pod with like having the person like ask a deep question that they've like we talked about this over text, but like a deep question that's like been heavy on your mind that you've always you know struggled to find an answer to that maybe I can dive deep and do a podcast on so if you have anything like that like what would it be let me be intentional let me think about this for a second take your time we'll put a ticker <laughs> no just kidding okay something that we kind of chatted about a bit earlier today and i think it's something that's interesting for me because there's a lot of different things that I care about that have seemingly no relation to each other. Like there's a lot of things that get me super fired up. And in fact, there's very few things that can't get me fired up. I'm, I always say like, you show me the best person at something, like you show me the, the world-class foosball player, I'm going to be fascinated. I'm going to get super fired up about it. Uh, I'm a big, like I can get riled up about a lot of stuff, but there are like a kind of a select couple of things that I really, really, really do invest a lot of energy into and care about. And they're all kind of, they're separate. Like, I guess, I see in my life, I think there'll be times for everything. There'll be times when Bobby's a filmmaker. There'll be times when Bobby isn't a founder of a company in this space. There'll be a time when Bobby's a journalist. Like my hope is to do a lot of different things. And so my question that I think you can explore with a lot of the high achieving folks that you're talking with is like, how do you know when you've found the right thing? Mm. How do you know that you like what you're doing is the right thing? And if it's not, how are you like working towards the right thing? Or how do you even discover, how do you discover what you care about? How do you discover what the right things are? Because maybe you know what the right things are, 
but you're not sure how to implement on that. Maybe you know that you love to make films, but you don't know how you can get in a place to make films. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an interesting one that I think about a lot. 100% bro. Dude, I'm so glad you asked that question because guess what? I, I think about the same thing, right? Like how do I know that I'm in the right vertical or like how do I know that I'm talking to the right people or like just anything, right? Like I don't I don't know if you have people in your life that are like ask you, but they're like, hey, so like wh- what is your like what's your plan for the next three, five years or like, hey, like what are you doing moving forward? And it's like for me, like whenever my parents ask me that, like, you know how brown parents are, they're like super naggy all the time, right? Like they're it's like, hey, Neil, what are you doing? Like, are you doing school? Like, are you doing this? Like, what's this podcast? And I'm just like, look, man, I'm just doing things that I care about. I'm focused on talking to cool people, telling stories and listening to them and just taking it day by day and just trying to be a better person in that fucking journey right so it's like there's no definite answer so that's an incredible incredible question that i'm excited to talk about um but yeah bro thanks so much for coming on and uh for all of you guys who are listening i will link bobby's stuff um down below uh you have any final words man before before we end this thing are y'all good to go close it on if you want to help build the future of college entrepreneurship and how the best college builders in the world build relationships in a meaningful way like would love to hear from you I am. Uh, I love when people reach out. I will, in some capacity, respond to anybody who hits me up. So, feel free to throw me a line. I'll put your. I'll put your email and all your socials down below, bro. Bobby, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, peace out, guys. Appreciate y'all. Later.